Welcome to We're Talking. We have an opinion about everything, and it means absolutely nothing. Now, here are your hosts, the rocket surgeon and the brain scientist, but we're not sure who's who. Craig Malasa and Josh Jacno, they're talking. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to We're Talking. Today we have Brant Freeman, voice of the Texas State Bob- Bobcats. Good morning, Brant. How are things in San Marcos? West. Uh, you know, a lot of storms are coming to the south right now, and uh, we had quite a bit of rain last night. Some warnings and watch, watch uh, here in South Texas. Uh, thankfully, you know, San Marcos wasn't all that heavily impacted. Um, but, uh, you know, life's good. You know, here we are now at the end of April, about to hit the start of May, when baseball season really starts to kick into high gear as the finish line approaches. So can't complain. Good deal. I know we're supposed to get some of that rain here on uh, on the weekend. So hopefully the, the the rain gods help us out and have them go around the baseball time. So, um, so. Tell us what, what you're doing now. I know you. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier, and you said you're mainly TV. So, uh, kind of talk to us. How how are the broadcasts going? Are you you prefer TV to radio, or? Well, you know, so um, trying to make as, as uh, a long story as short as I possibly can. Um, I'm a graduate from Texas State. Got my degree in '06, and I actually got started in my broadcasting career while I was a student on the campus station, which for the longest time was the exclusive home of uh, Southwest Texas and later Texas State Athletics. Um, they didn't have commercial radio or a network. If you wanted to listen to baseball or football or basketball, you had to listen to the campus station. And because of that, the students were heavily involved. And I was fortunate enough to get my start, you know, calling some, some, uh, some of the bigger sports while I was a student, um, including football and, and baseball and when I graduated, you know, athletics wanted to keep me around and keep, to keep doing stuff uh, for them. And they started transitioning into bigger things as they made their move up, you know, towards the FBS and the, even the years before that. And um, that being, you know, commercial radio and an actual network and stayed involved. And I did that, um, you know, primarily as the voice of football and baseball um, with some basketball here or there for about, Gosh, uh, about 15 years. And then, uh, as we all know, the Sun Belt struck a deal with ESPN a couple of years ago, signing a 10-year contract. As a part of that was uh, requirements for every Sun Belt school to televise home events. Um, and the Texas wanted to be very ambitious and do as many events as possible beyond the ones that were required, like football's mandatory, basketball's mandatory. But they also wanted to do the other Olympic sports, and they wanted me to be their voice for that. Um, I have a passion for radio, um, television was something I didn't have a ton of experience in and wanted to broaden my horizon some. It's a long-winded way of answering your question. Um, I really enjoy both. I have, I have a passion for both mediums. I'm still kind of learning a little bit about TV as we go, um, but I've enjoyed it so far, and, and covering baseball on television has been far different than radio, I can tell you that. Um, you have to learn to shut up more on TV. You know, you're not giving the ball strike count, the outs, runners on base, the inning, um, you know, you're doing like every other batter. Um, you know, radio, you're not quite painting the picture. You're letting your analysts talk more. And I have the, uh, I'm fortunate that for our television coverage, my analyst is our former head coach, Ty Harrington, in the dugout nice. of Texas State, hung him up at the end of that uh, championship 19 year. And it was almost, 
draft, I don't know, a month after that happened, I approached him and said, you know, Ty, we're going to start doing baseball, and I'd love for you to join me. And he immediately said, I'll do it. And he's been great, just a natural at it. It's unfortunate, you know, that you guys, well, I'm sure as far as you're concerned, it's great the series is in Lafayette. Yeah. But he and I, we, uh, would, we're looking forward to covering the series in St. Marcus last year, COVID hit. So, uh, but anyways, that's kind of staying with me right now. Well, I know J.D. Byers and I talked about that same thing about baseball, well, TV being much more, as the play-by-play uh, -play guy, you're you're you don't talk as much. You got a color guy there mm -hmm. that 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 provides a lot of your, a lot of it. So, uh, mm -hmm. it's definitely a different medium. And and there's a couple people, uh, I won't mention names that, like you said, play-by-play -play guy that talks a little too much. You know, I don't need to know that that this was this. This you know, I can see it, but right. uh, I for me personally though, uh, baseball is a game that was meant to be listened on the radio. I still bring my radio to the game and listen to it. So um, I, I love baseball on the radio. Mm -hmm. um, are are y'all part of the Learfield family? We are. Um, okay. So uh, we actually were. So for the longest time, again, we had no commercial radio. We were the campus station. And then Nelligan Sports Marketing came and took over our rights uh, around the time that we joined the FBS ranks in, in 2012, we joined the WAC. And then Learfield bought out Nelligan in 2014 or 15. And um, so Learfield has managed our rights since then. Uh, however, they only execute the rights on two sports here, um, football limits basketball. Baseball is not covered. So baseball is still exclusively on the campus station. Um, that said, you know, uh, we, we get professionals more often than not to do games and, you know, don't involve the students as much. Um, and uh, so when my TV schedule allows, I will do as much baseball and radio as I possibly can. I mean, you mentioned how, you know, baseball is meant to be on the radio. And I agree with you. It's a, it's a phenomenal sport to sit back, listen to and relax while you're, you know, at home drinking a beer or mowing the yard or doing the dishes or running errands or whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed it. Had a, had the chance to um, you know uh, scratch the radio bug again uh, early this week at Texas A&M when the when the team played there. So, um, but but to answer your question about Learfield, yes, we are uh, in the Learfield family, uh, but only two sports. Okay, that 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 explains a little bit to me there. Um, unfortunately, I know no one is coming over for baseball this weekend, but uh, yeah, we won't go there right now. <laughs> But, well, you know. I would like to touch on that for just a second, sure, like, go if for I may, it. Craig. I didn't want, I didn't um, know if you wanted to, sorry. <clears throat> of all the trips that, you know, I, I have to miss this year because of conflicts, this is the one I'm most disappointed about. I love Lafayette. It's an easy drive, first of all. Craig, you know this. I yes. know you come you come down to San Marcos many times. And, and um, you know, it's straight tents, about six hours away. <clears throat> um, you drive and... And um, the hospitality there is incredible, you know, in Lafayette, specifically at, you know, at the T, um, Russo Park. And, and um, it's a phenomenal ballpark, especially since the renovations happened a few years ago. And, and um, I'm, I'm going to miss the Cajun Cooking Club for sure and not going to old time, you know, uh, between games. And uh, the, the reason why I'm being held here is I'm doing ESPN Plus for a home event this weekend. Otherwise, I would go. Okay. Uh, 
and I don't, and, and uh, anybody that would be available to fill in the usual guys aren't available. Uh, so I'm going to be more than happy with social media to push people to listen to Jay over the weekend for the coverage of it. Um, I, I'm sorely disappointed that uh, not only is it, it, will I not be there, but nobody representing Texas State will. And, you know, some of that, you know, has a lot to do with uh, you know, COVID and, and uh, how that's impacted guys being available to pinch hit for me. And, you know, hopefully, you know, this time next year, none of this is an issue. We'll get as much game on the radio home or road as possible. Yeah, it, it's, you know, through the years meeting all you guys through Jay, um, I mean, I've, I've listened to Danny Reed's broadcasts with Colin Lacey and, and Josh Sowers. I mean, I, I enjoy um, it, I enjoy listening to all you guys. I mean, when, when, when Jay and Brad aren't on the radio, it, it, uh, I try to catch a game, figure out a game and, and listen to it and then have another one up on the ESPN Plus feed over here. So I'm kind of on my computer watching, listening and actually have the TV volume up just a little bit so I can hear a good crack of the bat or something like that. So, yeah, but uh, I, I love St. Marcos uh, as you know, you talked about Lafayette. I, I love St. Marcos. My first visit there was probably about 1987 when it was still Southwest Texas state. Love the area. Uh, love the food there. We don't, we finally got good barbecue here in Lafayette, but I go there, you know, uh, to, to hit the barbecue spots and the Mexican food love St. Marcos. And I'm sure Josh can attest to that as well. So Josh, love San Marcos. Good. I know you've but, been kind of quiet and we've been asking questions. So jump on in. Yeah. Well, first of all, Brent, I appreciate you taking the time to join the pod, man. Uh, I've had mm -hmm. an opportunity to hear your bar your broadcast a few times uh, over the last couple of years. And I think you do a spectacular job. Now, before we get into baseball, you guys brought up, you know, traveling and food. I need a local watering hole and a good golf course in San Marcos because obviously okay. I'm guessing. Right. Right. So, um, uh, so when it comes to, you know, a local watering hole, I mean, if you hit the, the square in downtown San Marcos, you have your options. Now it does tend to bring uh, a younger crowd of college students, you know, or especially, you know, late Friday night, you know, Saturday night, but, um, you know, uh, so, you know, if younger crowds don't bother you, no, no big deal, but, um, for me, the place I always enjoy going to when I was a student, even even till uh, even to this day, <clears throat> excuse me, is the uh, tap room. It's right uh, uh, downtown St. Marcus on the square. Um, they have you know hundreds of beers on tap. Um, you know it, it's been it's been around for gosh I don't know 25, 30 years now. Um, great burgers there. Uh, you know, in fact, I remember when I was a student. The thing to do was go out, there, go out there on a Thursday for the $5 burger and beer special. You get a pint, you get a burger for five bucks. Um, so for me, that's where I like to go. And I've taken a lot of Sunbelt guys that make the, their, uh, make the trip to St. Marcus to there. So that's one of my favorite spots. Um, you know, golf, I, I, I'm going to be, I see the, you know, the Zoom background and where you're at. And you're definitely a golf guy. I'm not as much as one because, you know, I, I'm, I'm terrible. And when I say terrible, they're terrible and they, they shoot 90. You know, I'm talking like easily in the triple digits for me, right? So um, I'm not as familiar with, with, there's not a lot of courses in San Marcos. In New Braunfels, which is just south of San Marcos, about 15 miles south towards San Antonio, uh, there is the Bandit, which is a really popular golf course uh, in, New, in New Braunfels. Um, 
So that's probably the one that I would highlight in terms of local golf courses in this area. Thank you. All written down. Yep. Now, Craig, you can get into baseball. Right. <laughs> oh, go ahead. You, you go. I've been, I've been yapping here with uh, Brent. Uh, you go ahead and ask, start it out for us there. Uh, I mean, where do you start? I've got a bunch of questions. Obviously, Texas State, um, I mean, we all know, on fire, 14-4 and four last year mm -hmm. uh, before, you know, COVID shut everything down. And uh, I circled – I told Craig uh, on the last podcast, I had Texas Tech uh, – sorry, Texas State circled on the schedule before the season started. And mm -hmm. I see you guys still pitch it well, and, and your conference numbers are actually pretty good. Uh, it seems like the lineup just won't get cranked up. Uh, what do you think about that? Maybe just give us a, an overview of, of what you think about the team this year, and uh, we'll go mm -hmm. from there. Well, the record says it. It's been a very disappointing year. Um, you know, you go back to the last complete season, and Texas State won the Sun Belt. And as we all know, that's a really hard thing to do, you know, with programs like Louisiana and Coastal Carolina and South Alabama and Georgia Southern um, and UTA. And it's tough to win 20 of 30 conference games. And Texas State did it, you know, and, and won the league in 19. And, and then, uh, as you, you mentioned, the record in 2020, they were on fire. Um, you know, before the, the pandemic shut the year down, they were 14 and four. I think they were on an eight, nine game winning streak at the time. They had run ruled Baylor, they had run ruled UTSA. They just uh, hammered. Uh, Preview AM, they were going into the conference opening series, I think, against South Alabama and feeling really good. And, and then the doors, you know, again, closed on the year. Um, so, because of the 19 title and the great play 18 games in last year, they were picked to win the West, you know, in 2021. Um, but things have not worked out, you know, that way. This team doesn't look like a Sunbelt championship caliber team at this point in time. Now, you know, anybody can get it hot this time of year and, you know, come tournament play, anything can happen. But um, so you, you, well, let's start with the lineup. You don't want to think that one guy makes uh, a lineup because it's, it's made up of nine players, but there's been a big hole in the lineup for almost the entire season. John Wethridge, uh, an all-conference caliber hitter, um, was uh, putting up some big numbers in the short year last year. Um, was really starting to hit a stride in 19. Uh, the fourth game of the season, opening weekend against BYU. He's in the lineup uh, heading into that, uh, that final game. We get the lineup card about an hour out. And then maybe about 40 minutes later, we get a new lineup. He's not in it. And it wasn't a situation where they had taken more batting practice or even infield. Um, just something didn't feel right with his hand. And so he told the coach, I, I can't, I just told coach Trout, I can't play. So he didn't play again until last Friday. So that was February 23rd until April 24th. He didn't play 35 games, not in the lineup. And, um, that was a big piece they were missing. Um, and on top of that, you know, guys just aren't meeting expectations. Um, Jackson Williams, our second baseman, uh, was first team all Sunbelt, a second base at a good deep position of the conference two years ago. He's in 200 this year. Um, you have Wes Faison, who was, uh, I think, fifth in the conference of slugging, had an OPS over 1,000 in the short year last year. Was, and he was so good, he was named a preseason All-American going, going into this year. He's not hitting his weight. He's hitting a, a buck 75 right now. Um, you have Will Hollis, who 
was an all-conference caliber player a couple of years ago, and he's sitting 250. Um, and these are, you know, these are veteran guys. These aren't, you know, freshmen or guys starting getting their feet wet in college baseball. They've been there and done that, and they're they're not producing the way that uh, the team expected them to. As a result, by the time Watford had finally returned, they had played 38 games on the year, including the, the first three with him. They had had 37 different lineups. So the combination of injuries to Wethrich and to Dalton Sheffield, their shortstop missed 10 games because of a hamstring injury. Um, guys getting hot, guys getting cold, um, trying to find a formula that works has led to all these lineup changes. So there's just no chemistry or really rhythm, it feels like, with the lineup. Um, they, they've, they've, there has been the same guy hitting leadoff all year. I think they've had five or six different guys hit leadoff, you know, several uh, different others hitting second, third, and fourth of the order. Um, the most consistent hitter has been Justin Thompson, but he's cooled off as of late. Um, he was hitting around 400 for a while, and that's hard to sustain. Can't blame him for cooling off some, but that's the story with the, with the lineup. Um, when it comes to the pitching, uh, so their Friday starter has been the same all year long, Zach Lee, and, and he's been very up or very down. Had a complete game, two-hit shutout against UTA, best game of his career. Pitched really well at Troy a few weeks ago. Had a good game this past Friday against Arkansas State. He's also gotten knocked around, you know, by some teams this year, like Washington and Houston in non-conference play. The Saturday spot has changed throughout the season. The Bobcats feel as if now they've established who that is in Garrett Herman, who's put up some really good numbers. But he started the year as a midweek starter and uh, didn't get promoted to the bullpen until the first conference series of the year, um, promoted to their weekend rotation, I should say, uh, until the first Sunbelt series at Little Rock. Uh, but then he didn't pitch this past weekend uh, for reasons undisclosed to us. Um, and then the Sunday uh, starting spot has also been, you know, a revolving door. So there's lack of consistency there. Um, and uh, so that's kind of the story with them. And you mentioned they've, they've done well in Sunbelt play. They're sitting at seven and eight. They're only a game back of Louisiana for third. And they've won four of their past six. They won their last two Sunbelt series and three out of their past four. Um, but you look at the schedule, and maybe this has a part in their struggles this year as well. They loaded it up with uh, power fives. Not quite what Georgia State did. Georgia State, I don't know if you guys saw it, every weekend series they had beyond Sunbelt play was the SEC or the ACC. It was crazy. It was they're ridiculous. Six, they're 10 and 34, I think, right now, but six and nine in the league. Um, I, can't, I can't imagine what the confidence is of those guys right now. But, um, so, but Texas State uh, you know, had a, a, a midweek or weekend series against Washington. Um, they had another uh, non-conference weekend series against Good mid-major in Houston. Uh, they play, in midweek games, they played Texas twice. They'll play them again next Tuesday. They played AM twice. They played TCU twice. They played Texas Tech. They played Baylor. Um, they played Oklahoma. So with all those games against the Power Five, it's also kind of uh, affected their win-loss record against P5s is 2-9, and 2-10. and 10. So if you take the Power Five games out of it, they're, you know, not great, but about a 500 team. And that's had a part in the record right now as well. Yeah, I was looking at that, and I'm not sure that we went 
as far, but I mean, we had not the power fives, but the two lanes, the TCUs, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, the four game series against coastal. And I think coastal is probably the second biggest surprise to Texas state in, in this yeah. whole, whole, whole league. And you mentioned Georgia state. I really thought that once they got out of that power five, eight, uh, ACC SEC schedule that they would have something, uh, you know, I guess a little pressure taken off their back and play better, but they really haven't. I mean, and they played some of those power. I mean, they played Vanderbilt close, except for the third game. Yeah. Won the Friday game. Yeah. And which Vanderbilt's two top pitchers are probably going to be, you know, top 10 draft picks, you know? Yeah. Or maybe one and two. Yeah. Rocker lighter could be both in the, you know, in the top three, if not first and second. Yeah. So, I really expected more out of Georgia State. Uh, Georgia Southern's coming on strong. But uh, this weekend, uh, we're kind of in a similar situation with not who, knowing who was going to start on Sunday. What we uh, Coach Deggs likes to uh, play matchups, so he's going to wait and see how, how we perform. But, you know, we have not been playing uh, well as late or good. Um you know, we're, we're four and six. You guys are two and eight. Uh, the only thing good is that, you know, we've been as a team batting 276. But, you know, we, we looked at that uh, going into the South Alabama series. You know, we were batting in our last 10 day, games about 303, and South Alabama was bet, batting 176. But South Alabama was uh, seven and three on, on in, in those 10 games. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were nine and one, but still you're wondering if you see a 176 batting average, you're not expecting a team to be seven and three. You're expecting them to be three and seven. So um, I guess my point is that I'm not sure what's going to happen this weekend, uh, which teams show up for either either side of us <laughs> right now, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at, uh, uh, Garrett Herman's numbers here and he seems to have pitched well. I mean, he, he gave up the four runs at Washington, but before that seven innings of zero, uh, UT Arlington, six innings of one earned run, uh, Washington, uh, ULM one earned run. So, uh, do we expect to see him on Friday night then, or, or is he going to be the well, Saturday? <laughs> Yeah, Zach Lee has been the Friday guy all year long. Now, Zach Lee probably has the best stuff on the staff, you know, a plus fastball, really, really good slot. Um, the issue sometimes can be that uh, I live a fastball up, you know, that, that tends to get him in trouble. If he can't keep it down, he'll struggle. Um, but he has the best stuff on the team. Herman, though, is probably the best pitcher, if that makes sense. You know, yes. Zach is the best thrower. Um, but Herman's probably the best pitcher. Uh, but because the stuff from Lee is so electric, um, they'll pro- they'll almost likely start him in the opener. And if Herman is healthy, then he would pitch Saturday. Sunday, my guess it would be Zeke Wood. Wood looks the part. You know, he's he's big, about six foot four. Um, his stuff doesn't seem to be as dynamic. It's not a bunch of swing and miss stuff. Um, so he's you know. Uh, if you can get five innings out of him, only giving up a couple, I think they'll take that and then turn things over to the bullpen afterwards. So um, that's how the pitching for them will likely line up. If Herman cannot go, um, then you'll likely see Tony Roby 
you know, pitch at some point in the series and probably on Sunday and they'll move Wood up to Saturday. Um, Roby's actually had some pretty good performances. Uh, he's been a midweek starter most of the year, pitched really well against Texas a couple of weeks ago. Um, is a guy that, that really relies heavily on fastball command. Um, if he can locate it, he's really good. Um, and uh, again, if you don't see Herman, you'll see Roby pitch this weekend. Okay. And what does your bullpen look like? I mean, I, I know for us sometimes middle relief uh, has, I'm, I'm not sure which major league baseball team you, you follow, but I'm a Reds fan. And uh, it, it, it's it, it, the middle relief has been uh, hit or miss for the Cajuns and, and my Reds. And their, 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 their seasons have been kind of mirror seasons with the Reds starting out in first place and playing well. And when they took their dive, the Cajuns took the dive. So I'm hoping both of them yeah. start playing better. So uh, I'm actually a, uh, a Yankees guy and um, you know, I'm this guy in the pen you fear for them as a role as Chapman. Um, not that you want to compare any collegiate pitcher to Chapman, but there's not a pitcher in the bullpen that you fear from Texas state, like big league teams do a role this. Um, you know, they have some solid bullpen arms. Uh, Tristan Stivers has been uh, the closer of sorts. They've also gone to Otto Wofford at times, uh, you know, in that closer role. Wofford is a good changeup pitcher. It, it is clearly his best pitch. Guys have a hard time timing it. Uh, but when they do, Wofford can get in trouble. Um, Stivers, uh, you, know, you know, the three-pitch arsenal, but none of it needs to be big league stuff. Um, you know, and uh, they have a couple of situational lefties like Austin Smith, you know, can come in and, and get a couple of outs and Matthew Nicholas, you know, has a, has a different arm slot pitches, you know, uh, right, right-handed and, um, you know, they have some solid pieces, but there's not a guy where if the game is on the line, you put him in and you know, you're good, you know, uh, not the bullpen isn't bad. It's, it's just, it's, I, I guess the best word to describe it is it's fine. Um, but it's not the strength of the team is not, it's not a weakness either. Well, I think you could say the same thing about us. I mean, uh, some of the guys have come in and they've given up three or four runs, but they've also come in and been able to shut teams down. And I don't know if that's because of matchups or if that's just, um, you know, just an off night. And I, I know everybody has it. Um, so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not criticizing either team because trust me, they're much better athletes than I, I ever was. So, uh, but Josh. Yeah. I, I like to look at conference at this point in the season. I mean, I think it gives you a, a more immediate snapshot of, um, of the team and, and maybe the current situation of, you know, where they're at and what they're going through, if they're trending or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And when you look at Zach Lee and Garrett Herman, it, when you look at their conference numbers, I mean, their whip is pretty impressive, both at 112 and mm -hmm. they're, they're both basically averaging a strikeout an inning, which specific to our our matchup this weekend, that is particularly concerning because, you know, when we are at our worst on offense is, you know, we strike out. Our K numbers are high. So uh, even Zeke Wood, who has, you know, a little bit of an elevated whip, he's striking guys out when he needs to. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I look forward to the matchup. I, I think that that is obviously going to be a big part of the matchup this weekend. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, obviously, Louisiana has been known for years of having tremendous pitching. And um, you don't go into Russo Park and expect to score eight, nine runs in a game. You know, if you're going to beat the Cajuns there, you, you got to find a way to win three to two. Um, 
And so that's going to put a little bit of pressure, I think, on Lee and on uh, Herman and, and Wood, if they are, in fact, the three starters this weekend. Um, the thing about our lineup, Texas State's lineup, is that uh, if you look at their numbers, they, nobody walks more in the Sun Belt than they do. They lead the conference in walks. They're, they're third in runs scored. But the runs should be higher. They should be the leader of the conference and run scored. The biggest issue for Texas State has been the lack of situational hitting. They have been awful this year with runners on, in scoring position, bases loaded. The number going into the Arkansas State Series, I don't have it updated four games uh, since then, with the bases loaded was nine for 52 for the season. And I think four of those hits belong to Justin Thompson. And lo and behold, the game at AM on Tuesday, first inning, load the bases, nobody comes home. AM at the bottom of the first, it's a two-run homer, and the and the team is kind of deflated after that, lost four-nothing. Um, so that's been one of the biggest concerns. They had not hit left-handed pitching well either, despite the fact they have a lot of good right-handed bats in their lineup. Um, so they have no, they don't have a lot of issues getting men on base. It's simply bringing them home. So if Lee and uh, and Herman and Wood are locked in pitchers duels with the Cajun arms. When they're at the when they're up at the plate, can they produce with runners on? That's going to be the biggest thing for Texas State this weekend. Well, let me ask you this, Brent. At this point in the season, with this particular lineup, if you need a clutch knock, who, as a, a supporter and an observer of Texas State baseball, who do you feel most comfortable with at the plate in that situation? The easy answer is Justin Thompson because he has the highest batting average and he's, he has been the best situational hitter. Um, the funny story about him is that, so he plays at third base and the player he replaced at third was Jalen Hubbard. who had some really good games against the Cajuns in his career. I remember him. Phenomenal defensive third baseman. He's now in the Nationals organization. So Thompson had big shoes to fill. And in the short year last year, uh, he didn't hit. I think he had 16 hits in 18 games. The average was around 240, something like that. All the hits were singles. So pretty much anything you got from him offensively was a bonus, but he had to be in the lineup for his defense. This year, he's been still pretty good defensively, and now his offense has really come together. Um, he can hit for power. He can hit to the opposite field. Um, you know, he can hit versus right and left. And he and you mentioned clutch situations. He had the walk-off hit against Arkansas State last Saturday, so he's proven it before. Um, Will Hollis, you know, has had a down year, but has come through in some big situations. He had a walk-off hit against ULM. Um, Peyton Lewis, who who hits left-handed, doesn't start every game. Uh, he tends to be more, you know, if they're starting a righty, they will put him in, but if they're starting a lefty, they won't. Um, but he's come through in some big situations at a game tying Homer against ULM, which later <clears throat> set up Hollis's uh, heroics. The one player, though, I would say right now is a guy I've only seen play uh, six games this year, John Wethridge. Um, The body of work isn't big this season, but uh, just knowing how capable of a hitter, hitter that he is, and even in the limited at-bats I've seen from him since his return, he looks like you know, he's picked up where he's left off. So he is, uh, he's the one guy, you know, I would say that the Bobcats would feel most confident in if they needed a big hit. That's good information. I mean, I haven't watched a ton of baseball uh, for Texas State this year, but I have been able to follow a little bit. So I, I'm, 
again, I, I tuned in expecting the team that I saw last year and mm-hmm. I got a, I got a different team and obviously some of the names were the same and I, I don't, you know, I didn't know what to think about the team, but I can tell you this, if I'm coach trout, I'm looking at the next 10 days and saying, all right, guys, we have an opportunity right here to write the ship and take control of the West. You got mm-hmm. three in Louisiana. Obviously, you got the midweek with Texas, which you guys have been competitive with Texas this year. Mm-hmm. If you can yep. snag one during the week, build that confidence, and then you go into South Al. Uh, I didn't see. Is that on the road or is that in San Marcos? That's in San Marcos, but it's actually not a conference series. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Even still, though, I mean, South Al is a quality program. Mm-hmm. You get three. I mean, you get two out of three against a team like that. And you're rolling into the end of the season, beginning of the tournament with some confidence. They mm-hmm. still have ball players, and they can they can obviously pitch. You get the bats rolling. You never know what could happen. Yeah, you know, we had a conference call with Steve Trout ahead of one of our telecasts recently, and we were talking about the disappointing year. And he said he addressed his team and, and told them, look, all the goals that we had for ourselves coming into the season are still ahead of us. We can still win the Sun Belt. We can still go to the NCAA tournament. We can still have a special year. You know, it just has to, you know, it has to start happening now. Um, now, one of the goals potentially was an at-large bid. That's out by now for sure. Um, but, yeah, they could get hot, you know. And, and, and as I said earlier, and as you referenced just now, uh, they're sitting fourth in the West, one game back in Louisiana. If they win the series, they'll hurdle back over the Cajuns. And Little Rock is playing UTA this weekend. So whoever wins this series at Lafayette is going to gain ground from one of those coveted top two seeds in the West Division. Um, and I'll say this too, you know, I, I know every baseball team in America can make this argument no matter the level, um, but there are some games that they easily could have gotten, if they could have them back, it would have gone the other way. Uh, the opening game at Little Rock lost in 11, uh, two to one. That's a game they easily could have won. In the opener against ULM, a controversial obstruction call at the plate, um, which was a terrible call, by the way, um, led to open the door for a full-run inning for ULM. If the, if the call goes Texas State's way, ULM doesn't score. The inning ends. Um, instead, you know, a run scored on the plate, and they scored three more after that. If that doesn't happen, and Lee you know, was pitching well, they'd probably win that game. Uh, in the finale against UTA, they're up 5 nothing in the seventh. Game gets away. They give up a go-ahead grand slam in the eighth and lose the game. Uh, they, they love to have that one back as well. Um, so, you know, if you, if you could flip, you know, those games around, you know, Texas State goes from being 7-8 and eight right now to, you know, 10-5 uh, and five and sitting pretty good. So, um, you know, but they can't worry about the past. They have to look ahead to this series. And then it's time to get ready for South Alabama and then Georgia State and then Coastal Carolina and see where the chips fall in Montgomery. You know, honestly, uh, right now looking at the schedule uh, for the conference tournament, I'd rather be the number four seed than the number three seed because the number three seed plays Tuesday and Friday where the number four seed plays uh, Tuesday and Thursday. So I'd rather that. And then you have a break. If you you win both of those games, you have a break going into bracket play. Mm -hmm. So... Not that I want us to lose. I would rather move up to first or second, obviously, because right. the tournament is truly designed for the top seeds to advance, which I really like. Out of all things, it, because it's this way, not happy that we're playing this pool play this way, but what they did I thought was right, in my opinion. 
I completely understand why the Sun Belt did it. There's a couple of reasons. They wanted to make sure every team could have the tournament experience because everybody was robbed last year. So in the previous format, uh, you know, you would have left a couple of teams home. And so for them, that would have meant two straight years not going to the tournament, one of those years that being out of their control. So I understand that. Um, and, you know, had this format been in place two years ago, Texas State would have played more than just games. Uh, you know, they ran into some bad luck in the tournament. They were two and done. It, um, you know, but in this format, because of the higher seed, you know, odds are they would have found a way to have advanced beyond pool play. Um, and, and also the Sun Belt is trying to protect the, the, the teams that have good regular seasons and try to get the best team into the NCAA tournament. I totally get that. My biggest beef goes back to my own experience covering this team in its one pool play conference tournament back in 2013, the one and only year in the WAC. So I'm going to lay this out. This is why I don't like pool play. This is based off personal experience. That season, uh, there was two pools of four. Texas State was with New Mexico State, Dallas, and UTA. The Bobcats beat New Mexico State day one, lost to Dallas Baptist day two. So day three, they're going to play UTA, but New Mexico State and Dallas Baptist are up first. DBU wins. So Texas State is eliminated before they take the field. And so you, you play a tournament game a postseason game, knowing no matter what happens, you're going home. And lo and behold, Texas State won, and that did eliminate, you know, uh, the rival UTA from advancing themselves. But you go two and one of the tournament and are told to go home. I didn't like that, you know, and I foresee there being some meaningless games being played in Montgomery because of the tiebreakers. Um, we'll see how things play out, but that's kind of my take on pool play. I totally, I totally understand that, and uh, I think the one of the other reasons that they brought in this pool play was because they weren't sure of how many games were going to get canceled because of COVID, and didn't want somebody mm -hmm. to miss the tournament because, uh, let's say, a, a team out in the Carolinas gets COVID and doesn't want to play the championship game. Right, but we're not going to go there for football. <laughs> Uh, a football championship game. We're not going to go there right now. That's that's around the coastal. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, one of the guys no one's mentioned yet to me though is is and I don't know anything about him, so that's why I'm going to ask you. Cole Co Coffee uh, batting average is only 256, but a, a six. This is conference play only. Mm -hmm. Uh, 256, but 615 slug and a 375 on base percentage, you know, 990 uh, OPS. Uh, and uh, it looks like he leads the teams in home runs and RBI in, in conference play. So what is, what, is, what is the deal with him? I mean, what are we looking at there? Kind of a bizarre career. You know, um, his first season, he actually started opening day. Um, but you could tell that like the game was a little bit too big for him when he was a freshman. And then in his sophomore year, he's playing behind a veteran and Ryan Newman at first base. So he couldn't get playing time then. And then last year, Wes Faison was hitting really well, um, at first base. So that's the old coffee can play third, but the only true position he could play defensively is first. So there just one one spots for him in the lineup. And when he did bat, he struck out a lot. Um, tends to have he bats left-handed, which is an advantage, you know, with somebody right-handers starting. But uh, 
tends to have a very long swing. He's a big guy, looks like a basketball player. And so, you know, had, had a lot of trouble getting around fastballs. Um, and so there's no place for him. And even when this year began, he, he couldn't see the field. Well, they get into the Houston series. And by this point of the year, it was still early, but I, I think this was early middle March. Um, he was over 12, five strikeouts. You know, he, the only time he could see that he could get into the game was a late defensive replacement at first base. He's a good for defensive first baseman. But Houston, after starting a left-hander on Friday, starts a, a, a right-hander Saturday. They put him in the lineup. Let's see what you can do. First three hits of the year are home runs that day. He was the fourth player in team history to have three homers in a game. The, and that day, the team tied a program record with seven home runs in, in a win over Houston. Um, I, I, I've, been, I've been trying to look this up. I've never heard of a player, collegiately, big leaguer, whose first three hits in any season were home runs in the same game. And um, so coffee, uh, you know, um, because of that, has gotten more and more opportunities. And um, he tends to be very feast or famine. You mentioned the batting average. You know, when he hits, man, it goes. He's not a guy who's, you know, uh, going to bunt himself on or, you know, dribble a, a ball at the middle. If he hits it, he usually gets a hold of it, you know, for a double or a home run. In the Arkansas State Series, homered in all three games against the Red Wolves, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, so, you know, if, uh, if, if he's, if he's in a groove then he can certainly be a run producer for them, you know, okay. but to, with a 250 average though, it's very hit or miss. Uh, you know, now that you mentioned that I watched several of the games because I knew we were coming up to play Texas state. I watched several of the games. I do remember, uh, them talking about that and him. him I, I didn't realize it was him, but like you said, six foot four pretty big boy there and uh I, I you know not against us but i hope after this series he does well because i think it's a good story local kid there looks like mm -hmm. Bronfield. so yep. i mean that that that's that i think that's good for the program and good for the team and so hopefully once he gets past us he does well and uh you know you mentioned the seven home runs the team hit in a, in a win well you know arkansas state we hit seven home runs and lost a game uh and then the next day, my Reds turn around and hit six home runs in a game and lose the game. So, baseball's I'm, a weird sport, man. I'm telling you, my Reds and my Cajuns have been mirrors of each other, and it's driving me nuts. And I'm a closet Yankees fan because I needed an American League team uh, at times. And I'm and my grand my 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 grandfather and my godmother are both Yankee. Uh, my grandfather was a Yankee, you know, but he's mm -hmm. passed. But my my grandmother, uh, my godmother is a Yankees fan, so I pull for her and, and them. But uh, yeah, and the Yankees aren't exactly tearing it up this year either. So no, they're not. I didn't want. I sorry, didn't mean to bring up bad. But if I've got a little visitor, I'm not. It's April. I'm not yeah, worried. Exactly. And uh, you know, I was <laughs> texting Jay last night and Josh because I, Jay's a Dodgers fan, and we 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 beat the Dodgers the first two games, and then they crushed us last night, scoring six runs in the in the uh, bottom of the eighth. And I'm like, uh, I mean, again, relief pitching. There ought to be a law against it. What's your, you know, make your starter go nine innings. I don't know. So, but uh, uh, Josh, anything else? I know we're, we're working on 45 minutes here. Uh, don't want to take up Grant's whole day, but uh, 
if we've well, got some more. I'm definitely not going into majors because, you know, I'm pitching uh, Anthony Rizzo yesterday. So uh, that's about how it's going in Chicago. Um, but anyway, no, I, you know, Three games, yeah, series games. He, he did strike out uh, old Freddie Freeman and yeah. the Braves. So that's great. Um, no, you know, I like to study the nitty gritty sheets. And if you look at Texas state, they've been competitive against quad one and quad two teams. Uh, I think that they probably expected to do a lot better in the, the quad three. Uh, area um but look if you look at like opponents with the cajuns and the bobcats they are we've gotten very similar results in conference we've uh you know you guys went out and crushed tcu uh so that was that was pretty interesting but you know we we had a competitive series even though saturday kind of got away from us we were competitive friday and sunday and uh i guess i'm saying all that to say you can't have expectation going into Saturday. You just roll the ball out there and let them get after each other. I think it's going to be a good series because I think there are a lot of similarities uh, with the two teams uh, at this point in the season. Yeah, I'd agree, I'd agree, I would agree with that. You know, I think both uh, would like the records to be better. I mean, all 12 teams would say that. Uh, but the expectations these two programs have, you know, there's a lot of rich, rich tradition with, you know, Cajun baseball, the Bobcats isn't as stellar as, as what Louisiana has accomplished, but they've done a lot of great things, you know, number of players to big leagues and, you know, a number of Southland titles and the Sunbelt championship in 2019 and, you know, passionate fan base here as well. And, you know, so where the two teams sit right now is not what you expect year in and year out. You know, some teams might be sitting in the situation and say, you know, hey, we're exceeding expectations, but that's not the case for these two. So um, I think you're going to see both teams get after, you know, the, the, uh, this weekend. I know how much Texas State enjoys playing at Lafayette. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked to somebody earlier this week. Just the environment there is is unlike unlike any of the Sun Belt for sure, and maybe unlike any other in college baseball. Um, I, I don't know what the COVID restrictions are right out Russo Park, but when, when things are normal, um, it is incredible. You know, you, you get 3,500, 4,000 fans there that are hanging on every pitch, you know, and you have some ballparks, I'm not going to name names here, in the Sun Belt where you're, you, you're lucky to get 35 to 40 people, let alone 3,500 to 4,000. Um, and so, you know, with that, you know, uh, with the, the, the great hospitality that is uh, put forth in Lafayette, you know, I know that Texas State will get up for the series. And hopefully, you know, no matter how it goes, it's just good, competitive, fun college baseball. You know, another thing is that both teams have their backs against the wall. It, yeah. it's, it's time to win games. So that's going to look that all in itself <laughs> is going to be great for the fan. Uh, mm -hmm. And you mentioned COVID restrictions. I know that LSU has lifted. Uh, I think they're going to 100% capacity this weekend, Craig. Am I right about that? So maybe we'll follow suit soon. Uh, talking early in the year to Dr. Maggard, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, we might do something to where they lift partial. I think you, you get into an area of where, you know, do you move fans back to their regular seating where they, you know, where they were before last year, right. uh, which causes a whole nother issue uh, with things. Do you keep them where they are? Uh, there, there's, you know, with uh, we have North Alabama, North Alabama and uh, Troy, really two and uh, Southern coming in. So seven games left. Yeah. I don't know that we do anything. I think they might sell some extra seats, individual games, but leave leave the seating where it is. Good overall. enough. As long as you know we get some some more folks in there and get that atmosphere cranked up, like you know, like old times. 
Uh, if we yep. start to get on a run and, and we get Texas State in here, we have some competitive ball games. That, uh, overall, for anybody involved, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to the weekend. Well, tech, Texas State and, and, and Louisiana on our side of the bracket and South Alabama and Coastal on the other side have two teams that have been consistently winners. And, and like Brant said, sent guys to the major leagues. Now, the other ones have two. Troy, Troy gets up there uh, usually, but to me, Troy plays a lot of powder puffs at the beginning of the year and puts up some godly, ungodly numbers with, with hits and, uh, and home runs, but, but they seem to fade as soon as conference play starts. Uh, App State, Georgia State have not exactly been tearing it up since they joined the league. Now, Georgia Southern is another program that I think is very good, and I think playing the best ball right now, maybe, uh, maybe just a, a hair better than South Alabama. I mean, one inning uh, against Coastal, and, and they sweep Coastal. Uh, I think Georgia Southern, honestly, it might be the best team in the Sun Belt right now. Your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I, I keep close tabs with Danny Reed, you know, the voice of the Eagles, and and we communicate a lot. And uh, uh, I agree. You know, I, I told them I think that right now you, you guys are the best team in the Sun Belt. Now we're going to find out this weekend because Georgia Southern plays South Alabama in Statesboro. Um, you know, Mason McCorder, who feels like he's been there forever, is tearing it up right now at the plate. You know, Chris Owens might be the pitcher of the year, you know, in the Sun Belt. They have, uh, you know, a really good bullpen as well. And you, you mentioned App State. They have not had a great baseball transition, you know, from the SOCON to the Sun Belt. Um, you know, football they certainly have. But Georgia Southern baseball with Rodney Henneman in place, a beautiful ballpark there at G.I. Clements you know, a passionate fan base of their own. App State didn't have that really when it came to baseball, but Georgia Southern did, and it's translated very well. You know, I think they've made the title game three years already, uh, three times already since they joined the Sun Belt. And um, so I think they're going to be a very, very tough house, you know, come Montgomery. Um, how, how much of that do you think deals with, deals with weather, though? I mean, with App State, I mean, a lot of games in February and March they're having to travel. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know, but at the same time, you know, like you said, Georgia Southern is a fun place to play. I've been there uh, mm-hmm. two or three times for baseball, uh, a couple times, uh, one time for football. So love their fan base as well. Uh, very hospitable. Uh, enjoy, enjoy the time over there. So I apologize, interrupted you there. No, you're, you're good, Craig. And I think you got a point there too, you know, um, uh, App State, yes, because of the climate when the season starts, they can't play at home very much, you know, and because of that, you know, by the time they start playing home games, their record might, you know, be sitting at two and 12 or whatever, and it's not really going to get the fan base up, and uh, it's an intimate ballpark, that's the best thing I can say about it, um, you know, you have the nice, you know, the trees in the background, you look at the, the bird's eye view of it, and it's gorgeous, but when you're there, it, it feels very small. It doesn't feel Sunbelt, you know, uh, high-level mid-major baseball to me there. And so it's it's tough to build much of an environment, which which then kind of, I think, impacts recruiting a little bit. Um, Now, you know, Kermit Smith has done the best he can in a tough situation and finally made the tournament, you know, 2019. And, um, you know, they've had some, some good games this season, but yeah, Georgia Southern has a lot more going for it from a baseball standpoint than App State does. Well, I the, the, I haven't been there for a game yet because mainly it seems like we're that's been the first conference series 
the Cajuns have, you know, when, when they've played them, it's been the first conference series or the second conference series on the schedule. And I'm just not going there in early March or, or late yeah. March even for the, to sit out there. And, and we've had some cold games, some 45, 50 degree weather. So, but, uh, um, lastly, I know we're, we're getting close to an hour here and, and thank mm-hmm. you for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, let's, if you don't mind, how, what are your thoughts on with the RPI, uh, the way they've, they've done the schedule this year where the top three RPI teams from each division play each other and kind of stay away, which historically has been a lower RPI team, which is kind of weird because we were talking about Georgia Southern who's made the championship mm-hmm. game quite a n- number of times, but we don't play them. I don't think, uh, you know, it, it's just, that's the one series I was looking forward to on the West and right. besides South Alabama. So yeah, well, yeah, Texas State isn't playing Georgia Southern either yep. this year. You know, Texas State misses out on Georgia Southern and Appalachian State and South Alabama technically because again, that's not a conference series. Um, I don't know. I, you know, um, I understand why the conference moved to you know this schedule to encourage teams to play good RPI teams and non-conference. You know, in those off. Uh, Sunday weekends to up the RPI for themselves and for the conference and try, try to make this a multi-bid Sunbelt league again. It, it hasn't been that in a few years, I think. I remember the year before Texas State joined, there were four teams that went, you know, to the uh, NCAA tournament. And it's been a two-team, uh, uh, two-bid league a couple of times since Texas State joined in 14, but they want that to be an every-year kind of thing. I, I get it. Um, however, you know, you're, you're six fewer Sunbelt games. That's two fewer Sunbelt series. And you want to crown a regular season champion, but yet you're not going to play, you know, three of the teams that, you know, or four of the teams. And I don't get it, you know. Um, now, you know, them trying to match the RPIs um, isn't a perfect formula, as you just pointed out. I mean, so it doesn't translate from one year to the next, um, you know, uh, Georgia Southern's really good this year, but their RPI, I guess, wasn't good enough to play Louisiana or Texas State this year. But that those are that's a series each team would really like to have at this point in time. Maybe supposed to playing Georgia State, which Texas State will in a couple of weekends from now. And um, I don't know. I, 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 I previous you know format of thirty games, and all you're missing is one opponent, as opposed to not missing three. Well, we were able to pick up the TCU series here for us on that off weekend, but the other one was North Alabama, which is not going to help our RPI. I think right. also, I think also the other problem is it's the it's set for the next three years. So for the next three mm-hmm. years, we won't play Georgia Southern, and you know, wild. So um, we'll have to see what happens. And and like you said, I mean, uh, Coastal Carolina. Uh, I mean, what can you say about them? 19 and 15, three and six in, in league play. And actually, I don't think this has been updated on this spreadsheet. So, but yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting going forward. But uh, mm-hmm. Josh, any last questions for Brent before we wrap it up here? No, Brent, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Really informative and uh, enjoyed the interview. Yeah, Josh, uh, you know, I, I've had fun today, you know, and I always enjoy getting to talk Bobcats, Cajuns. Again, I'm uh, really disappointed I can't be there for the series itself this weekend, but, you know, I've had great experiences covering the series and look forward to the next chance I get. I mean, you know, Texas State joined the league in, four, in uh, 2014, 
And the two have met in the tournament, gosh, I think four times now. Louisiana eliminated them in 14 and in 15, had a part in their elimination in 16. The Bobcats got a little bit of payback, uh, you know, in 2018 there in, in Lafayette. So, you know, there, there's been uh, some, some postseason history, some great regular season games, um, you know, great coaching as well. I, I mentioned Ty Harrington earlier, and uh, so many people were just devastated when Tony Robichaux suddenly passed. Yep summer of 19 and Ty made a point to be there for us. Um, he talks nothing, you know, he, he talks highly of coach robe all the time. And, and um, so, you know, I have a, a, a great appreciation for everything that he did to build Cajun baseball to where it is today. And, um, you know, I look forward to a, a good weekend of baseball coming up. Well, I know coach robe had lots of respect for Ty as well. And I, I was sorry to hear of his retirement. Uh, I, I love baseball guys, and, and he's Absolutely. definitely a baseball guy. Yeah. So uh, thanks for coming on the We're, T- We're Talking podcast, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to get you on before the football game next year. And uh, when next time you're in Lafayette, Josh and I will buy you dinner. So uh, always a good time here. So look, look forward, forward to it, Greg. It. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. All right, Brent. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks guys. Thanks, guys. All right. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.